Michelle A. Ortega, author of Ghost Squad. And I'm Kat Cho, author of Wicked Fox. And this is Write or Die. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> so, 2021. We're here. It's a thing. We made We're it. Here. We lived, bitch. We live. You can't kill us. <laughs> but seriously, you're trying so hard. You're so and I do hard. not appreciate it. We're talking to the universe. <laughs> I, we're talking to the universe, not our wonderful listeners. We know that you are also <laughs> the victims. Um, yeah. So we had an episode for the first episode of January 2021. We pre-recorded it. It was a beautiful, wonderful interview with amazing authors. And we felt we had to push it back. And record this one because what a year the first week of 2021 has been. <laughs> truly. It's truly. Been, it's been a lot. A lot has happened. <laughs> I almost so much. can't wait for Monday to because I want to know what's happening next because mm-hmm. everything feels so up in the air right now. We had a terrorist attack on the capital of the United States. Yep. And um, it's been really scary and I don't like for people to pretend like nothing happened. I feel like that's such an instrument of like, like capitalism to just be like back to work, everyone. <laughs> nothing to see here. The show must go on kind yeah. of a attitude. And, and obviously, you know, we are a podcast that gives hard truths and we like to be honest with everybody. But at the same time, we also understand that everyone need to do what's best for your mental health and your self-care. So if you don't want to listen to us talking about, you know, the recent political events, how that has affected both of us, how we think that that is part of a greater system and how it affects publishing and books and everything, then definitely feel free to skip over this episode. We will be back with the next episode with happy talks about books and publishing and regular publishing salt. We promise. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's totally understandable. Um, But, you know, it's, it's interesting because things like this, we, we obviously, I think of as people of color, especially, we we have like spidey sense when it comes to things that are going to happen um, in terms of like racism and discrimination. And like there is not one of my friends who is marginalized who couldn't have told you that they saw all of this coming from the very beginning, which is why we were all so scared. And I remember being in an airport like... Um, of near like around the time I think it was the day of actually the inauguration because I'm pretty sure ALA midwinter was going on around that time mm-hmm. um and like people were staring at the tv just blank faced and like zombies and just scared and it's because we felt that something bad was going to happen and something bad has been happening since then it it, it hasn't First of all, it hasn't just been the past four years. It's been a culmination of what this country was built on. But it's also just it's 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 hit like the like its climax, I think. And like um, the the elections of 2016 sort of. I'm sorry, I'm just like uh, my, my no, I'm, no. I'm gathering my thoughts on this. Um, it's totally fine. I mean, this is not an easy thing to talk about, especially. No. When yeah. you've been a person who's talked about it, not just you, Clarabelle, but, you know, a lot of a lot of marginalized people, of course, have been talking about this for years and mm. been ignored or gaslit or told that we're overreacting. And 
it's it's not fun and there's a point where you do get to that edge and you do think is it easier for me just to stay silent like is that the easier path because you get attacked for speaking up and and I know that you have Clarabelle for sure gotten attacked not only in your regular life but in your professional career for being someone who won't let you know atrocities and injustices happen and so right and it, it's been it's been really hard and it's like I would love to say like ha I told you so but I take no pleasure in watching any of this stuff happen mm-hmm. I actually super wish I was wrong because mm-hmm. this is scary for all of us and um it's it's gonna be very easy for it to continue to fall down that path if things aren't corrected if people aren't punished right um but it's interesting to me that as all the all of this was happening we actually had a book canceled by uh, a junior senator who holly yeah josh holly um who gave you know a fist like a, a raised fist which first of all super not okay for him to even use that gesture um Mm -hmm. in solidarity to the people who are about to to commit terrorist crimes and super encouraged all of this stuff to happen and it just it was interesting to me how intertwined uh, rhetoric and words are um are connected to uh you know publishing obviously we're in the business of books and writing but we we've had so many instances of this happening of like books being canceled and people being like how dare you free speech all this shit and it's like guys like these things have an effect on people like books aren't published in a vacuum they don't just go out into the world and then just like sink to the bottom of lake they have an effect on people's minds and their hearts and like the things that they think and do. And if you don't think words matter, then you're kidding yourself because words are what led to violence of last week. Yeah. Agreed. 100%. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of jokes right now and I would not condemn anybody for using humor as a defense mechanism or, you know, as a way of coping with this. Cause I a hundred percent do this. Um, but I have seen a lot of people joking like, oh, um, you know, Twitter, he gets he gets banned from Twitter, but he still has the nuclear codes. Great. Um, you know, very sarcastically, obviously. And I get it. Like, it's it's not enough. It definitely isn't enough that the only thing that has happened so far is that he's banned from all the social media websites, but not from like causing war. <laughs> yeah. um, but I also think that it it's still a win that he is being banned from the social media websites because that's where he grew mm-hmm. his following that's where he grew the ideology that got so violent that they were willing to storm the US Capitol building in order to try to overturn a lawful election and try to like undo our democracy so yeah it's it's not enough we're never saying that like publishing is like the seat of all power (laughs) in 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 thought or or the world but and it's it's a tool and it's a really powerful tool and for us to ignore how powerful that tool is would be you know it would be wrong and it would be on us for ignoring it so yeah irresponsible Mm. yeah we you know we publishing gives people a platform um and this is something that we think about a lot like outside of even just talking about 
current events or or politics i think that it's it's human nature to get really upset and say something like i just want to punch him in the face or like i want them all to die you know i i definitely have used really hyperbolic language like that uh with my friends for sure um and i'm sure on my social media in the past but it's different having someone who doesn't have a public facing career or a large platform saying that on their Facebook versus someone who is technically famous. And there's different levels of this, you know, level of this responsibility. And definitely the freaking president of the United States is like at the top tier level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but also I think that we have a responsibility as authors, you know, and I take that responsibility really seriously. Like we talked about this before in the sense of like, don't, don't try to drag reviewers or Mm -hmm. don't argue with your readers or don't punch down on aspiring authors or, or new writers. Uh, That's not good. And it's not a good use of your platform and it's, you know, wrong to do when you have power. Right. And so we talk about that a lot. Um, and we we always talk about it in the context of book publishing, but it can definitely be extended to the rest of the world. Like when like this is a silly example, but I'm going to use it anyway because it's just applicable. But Taylor Swift didn't say a lot of stuff about politics for a really mm-hmm. long time. And she was just like this really cute, you know, country pop singer who just like you know dated famous people and wrote catchy tunes but eventually she had to recognize that she had a platform and she felt some responsibility to that and she has very recently been tweeting about how wrong this administration is and to get her get her fans to vote and i don't know if it's a coincidence or if it actually is true but there was a statistic that the day that she said that people should register to vote the number of visits to vote.org skyrocketed. Her power. I'm sure it had so much to do with her. I'm sure it was her. And it's because she took responsibility for her platform. Now, I do think that there's a flip side to this, which Clarabelle and I have talked about because I get some bad anxiety about it. And I think the flip side is um, pushing someone to talk about really sensitive topics on their platform uh, before they're ready um, or just holding them like pretend like feeling like they're bad because they haven't spoken out yet um i i don't necessarily agree with that side of it right but yeah because you're forcing people to talk and be performative about their allyship i think you can encourage people and tell them it's okay but i think especially when it comes to um by poc authors marginalized authors of any kind we're already going through stuff all the time. And I think someone like Taylor Swift obviously has an immense amount of privilege that she's wielding to help people who are more vulnerable and are a lot more susceptible to say harassment for talking about these things online, which are not easy to deal with. Like mm-hmm. I have so many friends who are Jewish and anytime they talk about any, you know, issues when it comes to anti-Semitism, they get so much crap on Twitter specifically, Mm -hmm. like horrendous things. I do not blame them for not wanting to talk about it. You know, I would never want anyone to put themselves in the position of danger or harm. But I think that we also have to like 
the world is bigger than Twitter, right? There are other ways mm-hmm. to to do things and to talk about things. Um, I do think it's important to encourage people who can speak out um, to use their privilege to speak out and uh, to amplify the voices of those who are already speaking out and to donate money to the people who are fighting to make a change. We can all do our part in different ways. We don't all need to be doing the same exact thing um, because then it just... It, it just becomes people sort of regurgitating each other's ideas too, you know, and doing things because they're being forced to rather than because they really feel that they that they have to. Um, so there's like a fine line there. It's hard to balance, but um, I, I think it's valid to say I don't feel safe uh, talking about this on Twitter, but I'm going to do this other thing that's going to be helpful. Like I'm going to donate my time, my money, um, I'm going to amplify these like black voices speaking about this. I'm going to see how I can support them. You know, Um, I think all of those things are valid, too. And I also think that there's something to be said for us stop like not fighting each other so much and like fighting the actual problem more. Because sometimes we fight with one another so much and it keeps us distracted from like fighting the actual thing that's keeping us oppressed and down and um you talk you were talking about reviewers before I think it's an important point to make up because I think people can get really upset at that level when someone points out something problematic but it's the same thing they're pointing out something harmful so that it does not escalate to the point where it becomes a huge problem like yeah to you it might not seem like a big deal for a book to have something racist in it right but that can yeah. bloom into something. Um, those things d- grow into stereotypes and into prejudice and perceptions of entire groups. You know, like you can't tell me like the TV of like the 80s and even some of the 90s where actors were in brown and blackface on TV playing different races and doing these exaggerated voices and caricatures that led to kids doing that to other kids in school to adults feeling like it was okay to do and hurting the people on the other side of it so there's a ripple effect you know it might start off small might not feel like a big deal but people are trying to stop it before it becomes a big deal and I think that people who are calling it out early on are really putting themselves in harm's way and we should stop (laughs) people need to stop doing that like let people call things out when they need to be pointed out there's nothing wrong with that you don't you don't have to not buy the book nobody's forcing you to not buy the book but you can be informed about it you can listen to things and 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 you can learn things by just you know reading about something that maybe is different from your perspective I agree and I think it's really it is really important to realize the connections here because I think the problem is is that whenever we are saying like oh this book is harmful and people are like it's just one book or like it's not as big of a deal like just ignore it or get over it kind of a feeling it sounds a lot to me like when I point out that there's like some kind of white supremacist like replying to tweets and I'm like this is oh my gosh they're saying they're gonna like march on the capitol this is a huge deal and people are like it's you know it's just a protest like it's mm-hmm. not that big of a deal like um don't freak out they'll never and go through with it yeah and like literally they made merch okay there were yeah there were like you know graphics made on like 
Microsoft Paint for some reason, like the worst graphics in the world, but they're still like went through the effort to make ads, you know, to meet up there and to storm the Capitol building. And I, I just, I get it that like your initial reaction is to be like, I can't, it's not going to be that bad. We live in a safe country. I can't imagine something dangerous or scary happening around me because it is like a defense mechanism to try to tell yourself that. But at this point, we need to realize that things that we say, it's just words. It's just boys being boys. It's just whatever. Like, don't take it so badly. It's just a joke. Those escalate into actions and those actions hurt people and even kill people. And that's what we're afraid of when we're saying don't publish this harmful book. We're not saying don't publish this harmful book because the book itself is the is the end all be all goal. You know, we're saying this book can turn into stereotypes that turn into dehumanizing us, that turn into saying it's okay if we don't get prompt medical care if we don't get good policing of like good and equal de-escalation policing in our neighborhoods if we don't like redlining was a thing where no fire department would go to black neighborhoods as as recently as like i think the 80s or the 90s i learned about this in my master's in public health school like imagine that your neighborhood isn't serviced yeah, by a fire that, department. That was the neighborhood that I grew up in. It was hard yeah. to get any service to come ever. We didn't have resources around. We didn't have things for kids to do after school. There was mm-hmm. no music classes. There were no dance classes. There was nothing for us. Yeah. You know? And so those things happen to disproportionately to black, indigenous, and other POC communities because the legislators and lawmakers and people in general think it's okay to ignore us and treat us as less than human because of stereotypes that came out of stories. Right. Not to mention like the platform that you're giving to the person writing that book to further spread those hateful messages. Like it happened with the that president Trump Cabra, I'm not yeah. <laughs> gonna say we don't his say, actual name. We don't say their actual name on this podcast. Yeah, um, but yeah, you're 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 letting them rise to power, and we have seen that deplatforming people with hateful rhetoric works. It it does it works. It does, and I think that you know, I think what people. I get it, the whole like, oh, 2021 is going to be so much better because we elected Biden and everything like that. But I, as someone who used to work in the medical field, I got to tell you, sometimes the cure hurts more than the disease. Sometimes you have to go through the painful process of expelling all of those negative pathogens that are inside of your body that if you let stay will make you die. Um, but you know, I, it's so, I think it's really important for us not to think it's all over. And, you know, Clarabelle and I were actually just chatting the other day, like, yeah, January 6th was terrifying, but we're really scared for January 20th. Yeah. Because. Worried. So I don't think we should let our guard down because it's a long fight. It is. And things don't magically just get better because we have a new president. Like at the end of the day, everything that's happening now is the culmination of many, 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 many years, not just the last four. Um, 
so it's not going to just like snap and get better it's and when you talk about the people who are culpable like there are politicians like the highest Mm -hmm. level of politicians who encouraged this and facilitated it by giving everyone a reason to be angry and an excuse to do this right like it's just it's just a hot mess <laughs> Oksana and Pran weren't born fire-breathing demons but then they were kidnapped transformed to have power over flames and forced to fight for the empire that conquered their homelands trapped in the heartless army they have only each other to hold on to both yearn to reclaim their lives but both have drastically different visions of what freedom looks like and what lines they will cross to obtain it. Worse, they discover that the only way to defeat the monsters who subjugated them may be to become monsters themselves. Perfect for fans of An Ember in the Ashes, We Are the Fire features fire magic, twisted alchemy, and ash gray morals. Emily A. Duncan, the New York Times bestselling author of Wicked Saints, calls it bold and immersive, a strong new addition to the YA fantasy canon in bookstores on February 16th, 2021. I don't want to be like completely depressed and jaded about it. It would be so easy to just fall into like a deep depression. And I have done that before in reaction to things that have gone on in the past like right. decade. Um, but I, I here on this podcast, like I, I definitely do want to talk about like some of the positives that we can help to bring about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, this is really important to me, actually, because very, very recently I talked to someone who I super duper trust and I respect. And I was really shocked when they said to me that, you know, media does, shouldn't have a responsibility for authentic representation because it's just entertainment. And they said to me, and when I tried to argue back that like, no, not any one movie or book or piece of media is going to change everybody's minds. But if we have hundreds of them, if we have thousands of them, then they can create this greater picture that kind of moves people's hearts and allows them to be more open minded and allows our kids growing up now to see a better picture of the world. And their response to me was, it's never going to happen. Why do you even try? Why do you even write your books? Not enough people read your books, so you should just give up. And this is a person that I I love, you know? This is a person who's really important in my life and they said that to me, but they didn't say it to just to be a jerk. Part of the reason they were saying it and I could tell was because they were like I don't want you to be I don't want you to be misled into thinking you can make a difference. They, I think part of them was like, like you could get more hurt by believing in this fallacy. But they're wrong, you know? Like whatever their intention was in saying that to me, whether it was them trying to protect me or them trying to hurt me, there are so many people in this world that believe that. There yeah. are so many people who think just one person's voice doesn't matter so they will stay silent. And yeah, if when it's just one person, maybe their voice won't necessarily make a huge difference. But when there's hundreds and thousands of us saying the same thing, then you can't ignore us. And that's kind of why we do fight for let's not 
let's not Highlander publishing. Let's not say, oh, we we already have one of these stories. We already have one of these these this season. We already have a, a black author or a Latinx story or an Asian fantasy. That's why we're trying to get rid of that mindset in publishing because we know just one is not enough. We know that already. You don't have to say that to us. Right. You're not telling us anything we don't already know. We understand the danger of the single story. And so I think even though that really hurt my feelings and I'm obviously still upset by it, I think this person accidentally did the opposite of what they wanted, <laughs> which is that I'm going to fight even harder now. Yeah. How do they think anything's ever gotten done in the history of humans? It's just, it's such a, I mean, it's sad because that's like the tool of like these people who are constantly yelling at us to stop. That is exactly what they want us to feel. You know, it's not a coincidence that you feel intimidated seeing like a caravan of trucks with flags on them. Uh, They're meant to make you feel hopeless, Mm -hmm. Um, but you can't let it stop you like we're living proof that fighting for something does make a difference because we are published and doing well in an industry that does not publish people like us very often uh we've seen a rise in uh, marginalized authors being published we have a long way to go but we have also come a long way and that would not have happened without everyone doing their part so I just feel like I think that person's a little bit in their feelings of of you know bitterness and feeling helpless um and that's understandable to feel helpless right now I think that is really understandable but at the same time it's very short-sighted to say that you know fighting for change doesn't make a difference because like all the evidence is to the contrary yeah, no, I agree. And <laughs> it just, I, I just feel like sometimes we are, we are so narrow in how we're seeing the world, you know, like, mm. and, and when you are only looking at like just one book, you know, and, tr- and putting everything on that book's shoulders or that movie shoulders or that creator's shoulders, then it seems so overwhelming. How can this get done? But we need to pull back. We need to see the, forest for the trees you know all those sayings to see the bigger picture and I think that that's really important and it's hard to do because whenever you're emotional you kind of your your mind kind of contracts into a very individualistic and a very constricted view because you're in your feelings like you said Clarabelle and it's so hard to see the bigger picture because you can't worry about that right now you have to worry about getting through the day you have to worry about surviving mm-hmm. um so I I'm kind of at this point where I'm like, yeah, let's all take care of ourselves. Let's all do what we need in order for us to be healthy. Because if we break down, then there's nothing we can do. Right. But I'm hoping very, very soon that we can get to the point where we can get back to the work and where we can rise up and and make a change, Um, you know, really believe in what we've been fighting for this whole time again. Um, Because I think sometimes moments like this make us start to doubt it. And I hate that. And I really hope it doesn't take root. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think we should try to give people sort of tips on how to deal right now. Like, -hmm. like when you're feeling overwhelmed, Kat, by like everything going on, (laughs) 
let's say you're on deadline and you have to write, or let's say you can't write, but you don't want to be sitting in front of the television for 50 hours and watching Chris, Corn- what's his name? Steve Kornacki. I almost called him Chris Kornacki. <laughs> Map Daddy. Um, talk about numbers and all this crap. What do you do? How do you get yourself out of the sort of doom scrolling I know you're not on Twitter right now, but I'm not. <laughs> how do you get yourself out of that like doom scrolling um, mentality and like back into something that's like a little bit more healthy and healing for your brain, even if it's for a couple of hours? Um, well, definitely, I think part of the reason why I doom scroll and this can be different for everyone, but one of it was important for me to find out why. I was doing it was because I feel like if I'm not informed, then I'm going to be caught unawares, caught off guard by something huge that I need to react to immediately because my safety, you know, will be affected by it. And and that happened during COVID when we were the epicenter. That happens now when I and I when I feel like I need to take action immediately. Um, but you can get information in in healthier chunks. You can you can you know, ask friends or family to support you with that. You can start a group chat. We have actually a great Slack chat that I have with my my writer group. We call ourselves the Writer Cult. You guys have probably heard of us if you've listened to the podcast a lot. <laughs> um, Clara Bell and I have these friends and we call ourselves the Writer Cult. And there's one chat in the Slack that literally just says news protest link and protest links. And I can mute or unmute it as I want. And the great thing is that it's already cultivated by people I trust. So I know they're not going to just be sharing like extremist articles or like clickbait or things that will trigger me. I know that already they're thinking of each other's mental health. And then on top of that, we're adding links to that chat because we think it will be helpful. It's not just like the same information regurgitated over and over and over again. So that was something that really helped me. Um, Another thing that I definitely do is I kind of, uh, I try to uncenter my importance. Um, And I'm saying this in terms of like me being an author, because I'm kind of going back to the idea of like, we have a platform, so we have a responsibility, but Mm. that responsibility can be stressful um and I think like you it's not just that like you're an author you have responsibility like certain authors have more privilege than others and certain people have like more personal things that they have to deal with than others I think that I need to remember that like yeah some maybe I'm not going to say something about this but I'm not the most important person in the world okay like people aren't looking to me for news um I am not like no, not everyone's thinking like what does Kat think about this like as much as I'm thinking it you know what I'm saying like not everyone like this is advice that I've given other people that works for me really well no one is thinking about what you're doing as much as you're thinking about it mm-hmm. so when you're like oh my god everyone's watching me and I made this mistake and everyone's thinking about it and talking about it you're probably wrong um, but that's a good thing <laughs> I mean it does happen. I'm not going to deny it. It's literally, <laughs> I've literally watched it happen to my friends. I've watched it happen to you, Clarabelle. Mm. Or people are like, where's Clarabelle? <laughs> um, on Twitter. Clarabelle imploded Twitter for a few, you know, it's, days because she deleted her Twitter in December. <laughs> I'm not going to attempt that again. <laughs> um, but that's the thing is that like, even if that happens, it's still okay. 
and I can pull back and Clarabelle can pull back and we're allowed to. Um, we're doing it for our mental health, not because we're trying to be cowards or anything about it. Um, and when I remind myself of that, it helps a lot. Um, I, I think I haven't given any like actual like distracting things that I use because I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I think those are healthy necessarily because I like literally what I've been doing lately is TikTok getting on TikTok (laughs) rewatching CW shows from the early 2000s because that's gives me comfort. (laughs) That's a that's a definite distraction. I think good distraction. I I think going to I think uh, TikTok is um, it can be a time suck, but I feel like it's a lot gentler on my brain than Twitter is. Um, you'll get the odd like political video, but it's usually hilarious as opposed to, um, you know, stressful and yeah, watching TV shows is a huge thing. Um, I'm sorry, keep going. <laughs> Just no, want to no, interject. I, I was, no, I was glad that you took over for a bit because I was like, oh, I, at one point I was like, I'm rambling. <laughs> <laughs> um, I agree, uh, that. I like TikTok better in general. I will say I have a, th- I wonder if it's because it's a newer platform though. It feels more oh, organic. Yeah, it that, feels that's more... part of it. I think that's part yeah. of it. But I think it's also the, I think it's also the culture of the, of the platform. Um, like, obviously there's super curated uh, content there, but you could just go on with like, your hair straight out of bed and like say something funny and people will just respond to it mm-hmm. uh obviously on twitter nobody can see your face really unless you want them to but there's something more authentic feeling about tiktok and like more supportive feeling about mm-hmm. tiktok too um by the way cat cho writes is cat's handle <laughs> on tiktok everybody follow her and clarabelle's is clarabelle underscore ortega that's my handle everywhere um uh but yeah i've 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 been on twitter um i would say even though it might not seem like it a lot less than normal because like i'm not well the past couple days i have been but before that i'm not sort of like just scrolling all the time like i usually do i am spending some time on tiktok um and um instagram more so than than twitter but I've been watching a lot of K-dramas and uh, (laughs) I think that one thing that really helps my brain, because like I sort of feel the same thing as you, Kat, when I'm not talking about something, I feel like I'm ignoring it. But I think that in order to combat that, you can do something that's like actionable. Like you can call your reps, right? Like I have my reps saved in my phone. Um, their numbers and I um, I will call them when something happens and leave them a message or talk to one of their you know their staff and t- let them know what I'm feeling even though I'm in New York and like they're pretty aligned usually yeah with what yeah. I'm feeling but those phone calls do make a difference because that's how they gauge the public's uh, sort of interest in in something if they're flooded with phone calls about something you better believe that they're going to be a lot more likely to at least bring it up because they know that it's something that's on their constituents, AKA the people who vote them into office's mind. (laughs) Um, So that's something that really helps me because I feel like I'm doing something. For example, before the election, um, I did this thing with the, the, uh, 
I forget the name. I think it's this. Let me just make sure before I say it. Okay, so it's the Sunrise Movement. Um, if you watch Queer Eye, you might have seen an episode where they made over one of the young people who uh, is a part of that in Philly, uh, one of their Philly offices. But uh, before the election, they had this thing where you could get 100 postcards to send out to young people in swing states. Mm -hmm. And they had the script and you just wrote it out and you could make it your own really beautiful postcards and like my hand cramped from writing them and I sent them (laughs) out. But it was such a like I attended one of their Zoom uh, calls where like we were all writing the postcards together and like the 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 goal was to write like a specific amount of postcards during that call and they put a playlist on and we chatted and it was so cool, you know, and it's it's like a it's like a uh, an organization for. Um, like like much younger people like people in like their early 20s but like anybody can participate and there's people of all ages who participate and support them and things like that are really great because those are things that you can do outside of like social media and twitter uh, where you're not being bombarded by all of these um different things and you're actually doing something to reach out to a person right Mm -hmm. you can tweet something and you know thousands and thousands of people can see it that doesn't necessarily mean that anything's going to come of it because there's so many other people doing that and like the sort of ramifications on your mental health versus like how what big of an impact you're making I feel like they usually do not it's not worth it (laughs) but to sit down and to write postcards and like to do like to not only support an organization because you have to pay for the postcards, obviously that um, is is doing good work, but also to reach out to someone one-on-one personally, giving of your time like that can be very um, therapeutic. It's helpful. And I think it's a lot healthier way for you to get involved and to make a difference um, in our political climate without you, like not at the cost of your own mental health. Yeah, I love that. Um, I did. I did the sunrise movement thing before the um, general Ele- election. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's and that, I would me just, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just like listen to podcasts and and do it. I couldn't watch TV because you have to like look at what you're writing. Right. Yeah, you have to look at it. Um. But yeah, no, I love things like that. And I didn't know about those Zoom calls. I would have totally done them. But that's it's great. And I love those types of things, like those more social aspects of of um activism that have been added now with like more accessible technology like zoom so that's really really cool i love that so much um i think that i guess this has been sort of like uh we're talking about our feelings episode but also mm -hmm. we just wanted everyone to know that like all this stuff is on our mind like we're stressed out about it too and that like it affects all of us and we just really want people to think about how much what a big hand um, spoken written word has in the way that culture is moved in the way that politics are moved um, and they can have a huge impact on on our country on the world on each other Uh, so I hope that you know from going forward because of this episode we (laughs) specifically everyone thinks more about that just kidding I just I really hope that people start to realize what a big impact um words can have on on all of us and in our on our lives and that they're not just something to be taken lightly a lot of times um and I think that we should really listen to 
people who have been on the receiving end of like hate and racism and all of these things because we Mm -hmm. really can tell a lot of times because we've been there there are so many invisible markers that you might not notice that we do sometimes it's just a feeling to be quite honest with you um but that's taken years of experience to develop um so really hope that publishing does start listening more to um to us um to all uh, marginalized people and that we don't keep publishing these really super harmful books that can lead to the horrible horrible things that we saw happen this past week yeah I definitely agree and I think it's interesting for us because we're in like kind of an interesting space where our desire to make a change in the world coincides with our profession Mm -hmm. our profession actually could make a difference Mm -hmm. you know and as we were saying during this episode even if it's the smallest smallest difference it still matters Um, your words matter your stories matter and your fight matters and so you know like we can take that passion we have for seeing a more equitable kind world and we can do something about it with the work that we're already putting out there and I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of a beautiful thing about working in publishing and it's it's kind of a privilege and an honor to be able to do it but it's also a huge responsibility um and and we definitely shouldn't take it lightly but at the same time don't feel like the world is on your shoulders you're gonna be okay you have our support there's a huge community who's behind you and who cares about you and knows that when you need some time for yourself that's totally valid and totally fine (laughs) super totally valid your your mental health comes first you know nobody knows what other people are going through um it can look a certain way right when you're looking at someone's like profile and what they post and you'd be like why isn't this person talking about that like well you don't know if they're sick if they're not feeling well if they have family members who they're taking care of like people Mm -hmm. have no idea so because they are coming from a place of being uninformed you cannot take their opinions as the the thing that decides what you do um you're you have to make those sort of decisions for yourself but we do hope that if you're feeling overwhelmed by everything that's going on first of all it's totally normal to feel like overwhelmed right now and Mm -hmm. second we really hope that you take time to to practice some self-care to listen to some funny podcasts play video games watch tv you know go for a walk all of those things um if you can you know all of those things are, are really important for you to do. Drink water, um, <laughs> eat, shower, you know, pretend you're a sim. This is what I, I literally do this. When I'm feeling bad, I think about what my sim bar would look like, like my little like health bar. And I'm like, did I shower? Did I eat? Did I have fun? Did I interact with people? Like all of these things that, the, that are like basic self-care needs. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, I would be yellow right now if I were a sim. I would be in the red right now if I was no ma- No wonder I feel horrible. You know, I haven't done this in seven hours so it's a funny way to think of it but um if you're having trouble keeping track of all of those things it's like a way to gamify it for yourself and it really helps me yeah there's also that thing you do where when you get so exhausted you crumple onto the floor with your butt in the air yeah that is a real thing they that's a thing you do that's a thing that i do specifically (laughs) (laughs) so it's so entertaining um (laughs) 
No, I love that. That's such a that's such a fun way to think of it. I love I used to use like a gamify your tasks app. I don't use it anymore, but I love the concept of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it can be fun, especially if you really need like a new tool to remind yourself like to take care of yourself. I think it's fun to try it. Yeah, I, I think also like I'm I think that like finding some short term goal that like really excites you that maybe you can achieve in like a couple of days or like a week I think that helps too um I know this is gonna sound ridiculous but I just like really wanted to finish watching the originals because the first time I had watched it like I DNF'd it and then I was like I really want to finish it like I just I don't know why I just want to see how it ends and so I just like powered through it and then I really started loving it and then I finished it and I was like I did it I finished that tv show which is such a silly it's it's a nothing goal there's no consequences to not finishing it but it felt like I was working towards something even though it was an inconsequential something and it distracted me for enough time for me to not like spiral into a depression (laughs) about everything that's happening that's what matters um so I think that's it right yeah, I think that's mostly what we wanted to talk about. We didn't want this episode to be like a bajillion years long. We just mostly wanted to check in with everybody and let you know that it's okay if you're not okay. And we're not 100% okay either. But we think that together we can be better. Yeah, we're going to get through it together. And yeah. um, we'll be back next not next week, the week after, <laughs> with another <laughs> yeah, we'll episode. Regularly scheduled programming. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening to Write or Die. Be sure to check out Wicked Fox by Kat Cho. And Ghost Squad by Clarabel A. Ortega. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. See you next time, wordies. And don't forget to spread the word. The choices made in Wicked Fox have had far-reaching effects, and Myung's friends are about to find out the dire consequences. The forces that govern life and death have been upended, and there are supernatural entities lurking in the background that will stop at nothing to right their world. New romance and dangers abound in Vicious Spirits, the companion novel to the crowd-pleasing Wicked Fox. This contemporary fantasy duology finds inspiration in Korean mythology, culture, and K-dramas. Wicked Fox has been called a vibrant debut novel that employs Korean genre conventions for an utterly original take on the young adult fantasy by Entertainment Weekly and fresh and fast-paced by School Library Journal Review. Wicked Fox and Vicious Spirits are out now from Penguin Random House wherever books are sold. For Luceli Luna, ghosts are more than just the family business. Shortly before Halloween, Luceli and her best friend Sid cast a spell that accidentally awakens malicious spirits wreaking havoc throughout St. Augustine. Together, they must join forces with Sid's witch grandmother Babette and her tubby tabby chunk to fight the haunting head-on and reverse the curse to save the town and Luceli's firefly spirit before it's too late. With the family dynamics of Coco and action-packed adventure of Ghostbusters, Clarabel A. Ortega delivers both a thrillingly spooky and delightfully sweet debut novel with Ghost Squad. Order today at buyghostsquad.com.